In Advent, we celebrate that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That's what we're celebrating in Advent, that God sent Christ to us. You know, in every other religion, this is a point that you might be able to use when you're sharing the gospel. In every other religion, they say, reach God. Work. Reach out to God. Be perfect. Stretch. Work. Be good. Reach God. But that's impossible for man to do. It is only in Christianity that we can have a relationship with God because God comes to us. That is what Advent is all about. In Christ, God is reconciling the world to himself. God sent his own son into the world to rescue the very ones who rebelled against God. So we who choose the false path, we who choose the lie, we who choose death, he sent the way, the truth, and the light. So how does this mesh with our passage today? Because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the very purpose of God we see from the very beginning that mankind would live, really live, and find true, abundant life in and through relationship with God, that mankind would be brought from death to life and know He who is life. That is why God sent Jesus. And for this same cause, Jesus sends you. God's desire is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His desire is you. His heart is for you, and for your neighbor, and for your enemy. Jesus sends his disciples just as he was sent. To go a little further in this point, to show how it meshes with Advent, let's look at the words of Jesus in John chapter 17 and John 20. In John 17, we see Christ pray to the Father for his church. 17, 18, he says, As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And the very first words, the very first words Jesus says to his male disciples after the resurrection in John 20 verse 21, he says this, Peace be with you. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. He doesn't say one complete sentence to them after seeing them for the first time after resurrection without saying, I'm sending you. That's amazing. In both verses, the word as, we we see in John 17, as you sent me. And John 20, as the Father has sent me. That word as is the Greek word kathos, and that means in the same manner. Jesus is praying for his disciples, and he's telling his disciples that in the same manner, in the same way, for the same purpose, with the same motivation, Jesus sends his disciples just as God sent him to seek and save lost. Remember the words of Paul in 1 Timothy 1.15. 
the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And Jesus tells his disciples, in the same way, I am sending you. So this is how we celebrate Advent this morning. Remembering how God sent Jesus and realize that Jesus is not done sending. In today's verse, we are seeing Christ send out his disciples. And I want to encourage you to read the entire chapter, like I said, read it on your own. It's full. Meditate on it. Our Lord has much to say to his children. So Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. Jesus says this, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Amen. I am sending. In these three words we see important truth. Jesus sends his disciples. Just as he was sent, he sends. And he sends them not into an easy task. He sends them not into safety. He sends them not into light. He sends them as light into darkness. He sends them as sheep amongst wolves. Jesus goes on in Matthew 10 to describe for his disciples what they will have to endure for his name's sake. They will be be persecuted and arrested and they will suffer. They will be as sheep amongst wolves. We need to sit and meditate on this for a moment. Everything we know of God from the scripture and the testimony of those who truly know God through Christ, the very life of Christ himself teaches us that God is love. God loves us. He sent his son to die on our behalf. So why would this loving God, why would Christ, who is in perfect obedience to God, send his disciples here in Matthew 10 and down through the ages, why would Jesus send his disciples, his followers, into danger? It doesn't seem very loving. But before we excuse ourselves and say, well, that was just for disciples, not for me. I remind us of Revelations 1.6, which teaches us that Jesus made us to be a kingdom of priests to serve his God. Every follower of Christ is called to go. Every single one. We are all sent. So again, that doesn't seem very loving. But God is love. And we know that. We can trust it. And so we must conclude that his love is motivating him to send his disciples. Not simply his love for those that they will be going to reach. There is of course that. But his love for his disciples is shown in his sending them as sheep amongst wolves. Let's look at some characteristic of wolves. Jesus is not saying that the world is exactly like wolves, or that the church is exactly like sheep. He's using illustration, and illustration is meant to illuminate a point, not be an exact correlation, but it's good for us to look at those things anyway. Wolves are predators. They are cunning. And they are careful. They have one goal in mind, and that's their appetite. 
and they will do whatever they can to fulfill it. They pull the easy prey from the herd and they surround it. They usually hunt in packs, but as lone wolves, they will target prey that is the easiest for them to handle. Wolves target the stragglers. They target the individuals. Those sheep or other prey that are slow or independent and wander from the safety of the herd, they target the weak. Those prey that cannot keep up with the herd, they target the young, the old, the infirm, the vulnerable, the wounded, the sick. We have something to learn from that. If we become an observer of the church, we will notice that those who fall away, who become prey to the influence of wolves, are always those that fit the characteristics of the sheep that the wolves target. If you are a straggler, if you fashion yourself and think of yourself as a prideful individual, I don't need anyone else. You're a target. You're prey that a wolf will target. If you are young or weak or wounded, you are a target. And so I say, beware. Stay with the safety of the herd. Stay in the fellowship of the believers. Stay by the side of the shepherd, lest the wolves take you. There's much for us to learn. Christ, though, is purposefully sending them as sheep amongst wolves. Again, that, what a saying. Sending them into harm's way. As sheep, as prey, as prey that cannot fend for themselves. He's sending us as prey in the midst of predators. Why would a loving God send his people into danger? Because it is in the midst of that mission that we learn to walk with our shepherd. We are an independent people. We are taught to be individuals, to be self-reliant, to be strong. We are taught to value more the attributes of the predator than the prey. But Jesus says we are to be sheep, utterly dependent on the shepherd, Not only are sheep weak, but they can be very stupid. I'm not calling you stupid, I'm just talking about sheep here. (laughs) Sheep will eat just about anything that comes in front of them. And the shepherd has to watch carefully to make sure that the sheep don't eat what is toxic to them. They panic at a moment's notice and stampede even hurting themselves and their fellow sheep in their panic. And they are utterly, totally dependent on the shepherd. And this is what Jesus tells us to be. To many of us, the wolf is the preferred animal. Why couldn't Jesus say that we are to be like eagles? Or lions? 
Maybe even skunks. At least skunks have a, de- a defect. <clears throat> but why sheep? Why? Because it, is, because it is not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Jesus knows that in the going, in the step-by-step obedience to the calling of God in their life, in the obedience to the calling to be used by God to seek and save sinners, in that mission, his followers will begin to depend on God in every moment. In that call, as they are amongst the wolves, they will begin to know and live and move by the Spirit. While they are on the mission of their own choosing, however, while they are in safety and comfort, there's no need to depend on God. God desires that we be His fully, totally, completely, that our purpose and our passion and our mission would be His. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And somehow we think, well, gee, that's Jesus' mission, or that's the disciples' mission. It's not mine. No! The Spirit within you has the same heart that He has always had. To seek and save the lost. Let's not get distracted any longer. He desires a relationship with you that He has shared With Christ. That's the intimacy that God wants for you. He desires a relationship with you that reflects, that is like the intimacy that he has shared with Christ from eternity past. We know that intimacy when we are on mission. If you are in Christ, you are a co-heir with Christ. And he desires to conform you to the image of Christ. That same intimacy is available for every believer through Christ. What an amazing truth. That we would walk moment by moment in the real presence of God. That we would say what He would have us say, do what He would have us do, think what He would have us think, feel what He would have us feel, not because He forces His will upon us, but because every fiber of our being, every desire of our heart is consumed by our love for our Father. Beloved, should we think that our call, should we think that our call would differ from the call that was upon the life of Christ? Of course not. That He might be about His Father's business, but we are to be about ours. How that short changes us. Robs us. How we rob ourselves thinking that some other call could, could, could suffice. That some other mission is enough. And so this sending into danger is indeed out of love for his disciples. Jesus longs for them to know for themselves. To know that they know that they know that they are his and he is theirs. And beloved, I know for certain, according to scripture, and everything I have seen in myself and in the church, that until we obey the call of the Lord, 
Until we with Isaiah respond to the call of God. Whom shall I send? And we say, here am I. Send me. And we say that not just with our words, but with our very lives. Until we do. Until we respond that way. I want to tell you, there are depths of power and love and comfort and peace and presence of God that we will never know until we respond. Here am I, Lord, send me. Respond to his call and his mission, not ours, for goodness sake. There is security in the presence of God that we will never know until we are in the valley of death. And allow our God to prepare us a table in the presence of our enemies. Until we allow ourselves to be sent as sheep amongst wolves. There is security that we will never know. You. You are called to be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it may look different for you than it does for me. But in whatever career you have. In whatever family we find ourselves in. In whatever neighborhood we call home, our call, our mission as those in Christ is the same, (laughs) is the same as that of Christ. Our cause is eternal. Our message is eternal. Our purpose is eternal. For the sake of those we reach out to and for our own sake, our call is as His. Our life should be as His. But what, how does that manifest? Let's continue on. In our verse, behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. So, Jesus says, always pay attention to the so's in scripture. So, because he is sending us, because his mission through us is critical, because our cause is his cause, because the kingdom is at hand, because People will be brought from death to life because eternity is at stake. Do we understand that? Eternity is at stake. There are no higher stakes. No matter what stake is bothering us, is, is, is causing us distress, no matter what struggle, there is more at stake. Eternity is at stake. Because eternity is at stake, because we go into danger, how we go matters. So, be wise as servants and innocent as doves. Be wise as servants. In the ancient world, servants were often a symbol for wisdom. The snake escapes quickly. It finds shelter easily. The serpent can find water in a desert. The word for wise here is fronios. <laughs> it means practically wise and sensible and prudent. Yes, we're going into danger, but our shepherd does not want us to, to be careless. He wants us to go in his wisdom, to use the resources he has given us, to learn to act at the right time, speak at the right time. That's a lesson for me. I like to speak at all times. To speak at the right time. To always listen for the direction of the wise shepherd. To be wise enough to trust him and his word above all. 
to be wise enough not to entrust our identity, our heart, our allegiance to any other than our shepherd. How we go matters. So be innocent as doves. The dove is seen in scripture and has been used by the church throughout the ages as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. The dove symbolizes purity and gentleness and harmlessness. The Greek word here for innocent is akarios and means unmixed and pure, simple, guileless, sincere, blameless. Our Lord is telling his disciples here, as you go, as you live going, I want you to be innocent, blameless, above reproach in all you say and do. I want you to have nothing about your lifestyle or your manner that would cause harm to the cause of the gospel. I want you to be gentle. I want you to be guileless, abandoning the crafty ways of the wolf. Paul says in Romans 16, 19, I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. There should be no power plays amongst you, no manipulation. Yes, be wise, but don't be worldly wise. Be innocent. So what if the world takes advantage of you? Advantage of you. So what? Is the Lord not enough to rescue you? Is, is the shepherd's protection not enough? Don't be worldly wise. Be innocent. He is sending us as sheep amongst wolves. Beloved, when we go as he calls, we are going to be hurt. We are going to be hurt. We are going to suffer loss. So here's the test for us. Paul says in 2 Timothy 3.12, listen to this verse. It's a remarkable verse. You want to write that down. 2 Timothy 3.12. Indeed, all who desire, listen to that word. Indeed, all, that's everyone, who desires to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will, will be persecuted. Jesus says in Matthew 5.11, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and, and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. In John 15.18, Jesus said, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. And Paul says to Philippians in chapter 1, starting at verse 7, he says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one, with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation, and that from God. For it has been granted to you, listen, that, this is amazing, for it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, that you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. So again, there's the test. There's the measure for us. Are we suffering on his account? Beloved, when we are in obedience to his calling, to his mission, to his sending, opposition will come from many sides, even from the church. 
For there are many within the church universal that do not have in mind obedience to the call of Christ. For them, Christ is a means to an end for their own choosing. When we are in obedience to Christ, we are promised suffering and persecution. In Acts chapter 5, we read of the account of how the disciples were beaten for the obedience to Christ. And they left that beating rejoicing. Beloved, we ought to mourn. We ought to mourn if we are not suffering for the name. If we are not suffering for the gospel, we ought to be mourning. We ought to be concerned. If we are not losing influence in some circles, if we are not ridiculed or mocked, if we are not persecuted, and I don't mean persecuted because of our own bad attitude or even our own causes, but if we are not persecuted for His sake, then we ought to mourn. People will come against those who allow themselves to be sent by Jesus in the world and unfortunately in the church because they don't like the message that we proclaim. People will come against us because they don't like what we are adhering to. They don't like that it, that for them, adhering to the gospel would cost them. People will come against us because they are, they're not, we are not on their side. People, let me say that again. People are going to come against us because we are not on their side. Because we refuse any loyalty above our king. They're going to come against you because you're not on any worldly side. Because you're on the side of the gospel. People will come against us, and this is the reason why. Because Satan is the god of this world. And Satan will do whatever he can to hinder the cause of the gospel. Beloved, it is the Christian that is set on knowing God and making God known. It is that Christian, and it is only that Christian, that is making disciples. It is only the Christian that is sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, and not a gospel of their own design. It is only that Christian, the Christian that rejoices in the suffering for the gospel. It is only that Christian that is a threat to the God of this world, Satan. And if we are distracted from our mission... And we can often expect an easy road. We can often expect worldly success and influence. But worldly success and influence has no bearing on whether or not you are in God's will. If you are distracted, if we are distracted from our mission, we are exactly, listen to me, if we are distracted from our mission, from the mission of God through Christ, to seek and save sinners. If we are distracted from that, then we are exactly where the devil wants us. And he will do all he can to keep us there. And it doesn't matter how good the thing is that we are distracted by. Even if we're distracted by exposing the devil's plan. Hear me on that. If we discover, if we were to discover, just picture this. If we were to discover the secret logs of the devil... That lay out his plan for the world in all the years to come. And we took those logs that we proclaimed from the mountaintops. 
Look at what the devil's going to do. Look at, look at, look at. And try to get as much influence as we can and warn people as much as we can about the devil and we shut up about Jesus, then we are exactly where the devil wants us. Because he has succeeded in distracting us from the cause of Christ. If we are distracted from our mission, eternity is at stake. The devil will do all he can to keep us distracted. There's a legend about John Wesley, the great founder of Methodism, an abolitionist and itinerant preacher, and it goes like this. John Wesley was riding along a road one day when it dawned on him that three whole days had passed in which he had suffered no persecution. Not a brick or an egg had been thrown at him, at him in three whole days. Alarmed, he stopped his horse and exclaimed, Can it be that I have sinned and I am backslidden? So slipping from his horse, Wesley went down on his knees and began interceding with God to show him where, if anywhere, there had been a fault. And a rough fellow on the other side of the hedge, hearing the prayer, looked across and recognized the preacher. I'll fix that Methodist preacher, he said, picking up a brick and throwing it at Wesley. It missed its mark and fell harmlessly besides John. Whereupon Wesley leaped to his feet and joyfully exclaimed, Thank you, God! It's all right. I still have the presence. Most of us are not there quite yet. And this is not to say that all suffering is proof that we are are on God's side. Take note of that. So often we endure attacks that come against us not for the sake of Jesus. They come because we have gone as wolves among wolves. How often we suffer because of our own bad witness. How often we suffer simply because we are sinful and have sinful, selfish attitudes and actions and motivations. Beloved, there's no joy in that kind of suffering. And we often even make the mistake of saying that what we are suffering for is his name. When in reality, it is often simply because we are inwardly and outwardly worldly. Jesus is expecting that his true followers will indeed suffer. But their lives will be so wrapped up in him and his gospel that much of their suffering, all of their arrests, and all of their persecution will be on account of his message. In the midst of that suffering, there is joy unspeakable because in it we enjoy fellowship with our beloved Lord. After his resurrection, our Lord again called his disciples to go. Listen to his words in Matthew 28. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. Beloved, that is why we go. That is the message we bring. That is the message of Advent. That is the message of the gospel. The message that every Christian life is meant to proclaim. That is the only message worth our very lives. That is our reward and the eternity awaiting those who believe. That is the reason we go. That is the reason we have hope and joy and peace and power and purpose in the midst of suffering. The shepherd shepherd sends us and he will never leave us or forsake us. 
It is in the going that we truly experience that. The shepherd sends us. And he never leaves us. Never forsakes us. It is in the suffering we know that. The shepherd sends us. But he goes before us. He goes with us. He empowers us. And fills us. And comforts us. And grows us as we go. This is the joy that we can only, that we only touch. This is the joy that we only touch for the briefest of moments in a religious service. But God has so much for us. So much more for us than brief moments. He offers joy and life. Joy that we can live in when we walk in obedience to the high call of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This joy is Emmanuel. God with us. Nothing compares. May this season that celebrates Emmanuel see the reality of Emmanuel in every one of us. As we go. In His name. In His love. And with His gospel. Let's pray. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed. If you're watching online or you're here with us today and you recognize today that you don't know Jesus. You don't know him the way he desires you to know him. We want to encourage you to call or email. We will call you back and pray with you and that you might come to know this Jesus who is life. If you're here today, and that is you, we, we ask that you will stay and pray. Or maybe you're a Christian and you realize that you've been shortchanging yourself with worldly pursuits instead of God's will for your life. I want to encourage you to stay and pray. Allow your brothers and sisters in Christ to pray with you. Do not leave this place without committing your will and your way to the Lord. Father, we thank you for sending your Son to us, for us. Thank you for rescuing us from our own way. Thank you for rescuing us from our lies. Thank you for rescuing us from death. Thank you for giving us Jesus, who's the way and the truth and the life. Father, forgive us, for we all, like sheep, have gone astray. And each of us have turned to our own way. Thank you, Father. For your son who bore our iniquity. Father we ask that you move in us today. By your spirit. And your word work in us. So that we might abandon our ways for yours. Abandon our thoughts for yours. Abandon our worldly temporary missions. For your desire to send us. Jesus help us to deny ourselves. To take up our cross and follow you. Follow you and no one else. 
By your spirit within us, we ask that you send us with the message of this season. Send us in this moment and send us in every moment that we have left in our short time here. Send us proclaiming that the kingdom of heaven is here. Emmanuel, God with us. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. And as we go, may we go as sheep amongst wolves, wise as serpents, and innocent as doves. Amen.